Hello, Central fans. I'm Trevor Castle. On our last episode, we shared a collection of on-the-field Skipper stories highlighting legendary Dutch football coach Ron Skipper. Make sure to check that one out if you missed it. Today, you'll hear from many of those same voices, this time talking about Ron Skipper, the man, off the field. Like the first episode, we're going to go mostly in chronological order, starting with Dick Bowser, Central College class of 1965. He was always a stickler, you know. If you aren't there, departure time, the bus will leave without you. In fact, usually it was like, if we were going to leave at 9, the bus usually left about 8.55. So when we uh, had uh, two buses on one occasion, and uh, he was on the bus that I was on, and then he got off. And he, you know, he went in the office for whatever. And, you know, 10 minutes later, or five minutes past time to leave. And, you know, I'm assuming he's on the other bus. And the bus driver says, you know, Coach Skip said we had to depart, you know, 9 o'clock, you know, it's 5 after. I said, well, let's go. Well, he was still in the office. And we got outside just north of Pella a little bit. And here he came in the car chasing after us. He was storming mad that we left him his coach. <laughs> and another time we played up at Luther. And it was their homecoming. And I don't know if it was 125th or whatever it was. But it was, it was a big deal. They had like 12,000 fans there at the game. But anyway, in 94... There, the place where we dressed, Jim and that had burned down. So we had to dress in Kalmar. And so we dress in Kalmar and we're coming and we can't get to the game because there's a parade. And they won't let us through. And he is just hopping mad. He's on the bus, waving people around, you know, getting off and on the bus. And, and uh, one of the, uh, one of his friends that, frequently traveled with us, Bill Thompson, which would be a name on the past, but he got a hold of a football helmet, put it on backwards, and, you know, let me in, coach, let me in, coach, I'll get out there and take care of this. So I kind of broke the moment, but we didn't get to the game on time. We were like, we didn't beat him. That was nice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, he, he liked to take off at noon and go for an hour someplace, and uh, we, we go out to the dam, just below the dam, or a favorite place of his was Dutch Vermeer's Pond. Anyway, so one day it's, it's really hot, and we'll go out there, and uh, <laughs> he strips down into his skivvies, and he's digging for worms. And two little kids come by, you know, they look at us like we're crazy. They go over there and start catching fish. Well, they're fishing with a bear gold hook, and they're catching these one fish right after the other. You know, here, here's Coach Skippy's out there, and his Skippy's digging worms. Another time on one of our canoeing camping trips, he was giving Ben Herder flack, so <laughs> he just took the canoe and turned it up on end and right over the top on Skipper. Uh, <laughs> Another time we were fishing and he and Bosch, Dr. Bosch, were in a canoe and they went through a little rapids, narrows area and they tipped over. And uh, of course, all their gear is floating down, down the lake and they get out and he's, he gets up and he strips down and he takes off his shirt. He's got some book matches in there and he's trying to start a fire with book matches that have been soaked in the water. And so that didn't work. And finally... Jim Brandon and I, we, we came by and picked him up and took him back to camp. Well, he left his glasses on shore, so we had to go back and get his glasses. So a few little things like that. One time he 
Cook did his Dakota in the year and got mad and threw his pole on the floor and Dakota's standing there holding his ear. <laughs> Next up is Jim Brandle, also a 1965 Central grad. Skip was so single-focused. And um, during football season, it was all about football. And in fact, much of the time when it wasn't even football season, it was about football. As single-focused as, as Skip was, there was an anchor in his life. And that, and that was Joyce. She really put up with a lot of his intensity, but also could, could jerk him back and say, you've got to pay some more attention to your family. And I think that was probably the motivation for him leaving Pella and moving to, to Holland, Michigan later in life after he'd retired. But she was a real gem. I can remember my senior year, my wife Sue was a favorite babysitter for the for the Skipper family, but back in those days, uh, the college had had rules that women had to be back in the dorm by ten o'clock. Well, Skip and Joyce would go play cards with friends, and they didn't want to be home by ten o'clock. So they said, "Well, bring Brandle along, and he can stay after ten, 10 o'clock." <laughs> So Sue and I'd go over and uh, babysit and put their kids to bed. And then at 10 o'clock, Sue would go to the dorm and I'd hang out until they got there. So, But dear, dear friends, the Skipper family was always a, a dear friends to our family. Uh, and uh, what, what, a, what a tremendous example he was to us and to me. I think he had an impact in terms of my, my outlook on how to approach life and how to approach business preparation. So those are those are some of my memories. Here's Steve Langrude, class of 1967, talking about one of Skip's favorite hobbies. Coach Skipper liked to go fishing. And a lot of guys, a lot of us guys like to go fishing that were still around here in Pella. And um, I remember back when I was, I came back to work in the development office. And uh, during the summer, on occasion, maybe once or twice a week, a bunch of guys would get together and go out to a farm pond and go fishing. Well, Coach Skipper was always a part of this group. He loved to fish. And we had been at this farm pond and caught some fish and we were leaving. Well, most of us, we had just tossed the fish back into the pond. And Skip says, no, he says, save them. He says, put them in the bucket here. He says, I'm gonna take them home. Oh, okay. That's fine. So we're getting ready to leave, and I asked him, I said, Coach, I said, you going to have a fish fry or something? Oh, no, 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 no. He says Joyce wouldn't, his wife wouldn't, wouldn't tolerate fish in the house. She thinks they stink, and she wouldn't do that. Well, what are you going to do with them? And he had this sly smile on his face, and he said, when we get back to Pella, he said, stop at Art Bosch's house, Dr. Art Bosch, chemistry professor, good friend of Ron and Joyce. He says, you stop there. I'm going to give him the fish. And he says, Bosch is real frugal. Anything given to him like this is really a big deal for him. What Bosch will do, he'll clean the fish, and then he'll invite Ron and Joyce over for a fish fry. So, he says, I've had, I will have had the fun of catching the fish. Joyce won't have the dirty fish in her house. I won't have to clean fish, and we'll have a fish fry, courtesy of Art and Dot Bosch. 
I thought to myself, you sly old fox, you. (laughs) Jim Henderson was also from the class of 1967, then came back to Central as an offensive coordinator in the late 70s and early 80s. I'm sure you're hearing, you're going to hear this from probably all or if not most of, of the guys that they'll, they'll say, Skip was like a dad to me. And he was, he just, he just, uh, he demanded excellence. He was hard on me at times, but you just knew he loved you. The guy loved you and he, and you knew it, you know, he wasn't mushy about it or anything like that, but he just, you knew that He loved you and that uh, he was going to do what was best for you. You know, he just uh, best for the team first, but uh, he just, he just took care of us. He just was uh, even as a a coach when I was uh, leaving the program or whatever. And after I had left and moved to Tennessee, you know, they came to Tennessee uh, to Nashville for the American football coaches clinic. And he came and spent time with, uh, with our family and, uh, my wife, Joan, was really, really close to Skip, and she was also the gymnastics coach. She was on the staff there at Central for a number of years in, you know, in physical education. So Saw was with Skip daily, and he just, everybody knew, he just, he just loved Joan Hutchinson was her name at that time. And we got married, and, and uh, sad as it is, uh, Joan passed away from cancer at a young age, at the age of 40. And she, he came and, and spent time with her uh, when she was ill and came to Tennessee to see her. So that was, and that was no surprise. You know, he just, uh, uh, that, that was him. That was him coming to see her. And uh, that's uh, why we all love him. Now let's hear from Larry Embling, class of 1968, who remembers some of Skip's motivational tactics. The one story that sticks out in my mind, which is kind of funny, I played a lot as a freshman. I got to travel with the team and I was a walk-on because I came from out east and he didn't even know who I was. But I remember one of the sad things was my last game, I had dropped chemistry and it was a four-hour course. And so instead of being a 15-hour full-time student, I was I had 11 hours and he had to come up to me and tell me, hate to tell you this, Larry, but you can't dress for the last game, which is really kind of sad. In spite of that, I ended up winning the Lancomo Award for the outstanding freshman. I remember him saying as he was talking about me, he says, well, he said, Larry may have won the award, but I'm not so sure he's going to be around here if he doesn't get his nose to the grindstone and study. So that to me was a wake-up call to get my butt in gear. And then every spring thereafter, as I was going home, he he would look at me, he'd find me and he'd say, hey, he says, I got a really big dude coming in that's going to be playing defensive end, so you better work out hard this summer. Yeah, yeah, okay. So the first summer, I thought he was telling the truth, so I busted my butt. Second spring, he said the same thing. So I thought, maybe he's telling the truth. And the third summer, he said it. I said, yeah, quit telling me that. Well, you'll never guess who showed up in the fall. Vernon Herder. So here's Vernon Herter uh, vying for defensive end. Well, thank goodness Russ Ferguson had graduated the year before me, and he was the other defensive end. And so I was the left defensive end, and he was the right defensive end. So they put Vern at the right defensive end. Of course, the rest was history. Alex Glan graduated Central in 1969, then joined the Dutch coaching staff, where he says he quickly learned how hard Skip worked. But I told myself at that time that if there's one thing that I was going to do, as I was going to be at work before Skipper, and I wasn't leaving until he left the office. And that's a pledge I made to myself, which almost killed me <laughs> because Skipper was, I don't know how I did it, especially in the hot, the heat, the practices and meetings afterwards and, and 
It is unbelievable. You know, sometimes he wouldn't leave the office till 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I thought, and then if you're going to beat him to, to work, you, you better be there, you know, at five something. And I thought, wow. <laughs> I learned a lesson. Um, I think I almost made a perfect schedule before, but I thought it was painful. But it was worth it because the things that you, you learned about hard work and planning. Jan Freed, class of 75, was a cheerleader on the 1974 national championship team and later served as a professor for 30 years at Central. When Coach Skipper passed, she did something similar to this podcast, but in written form, collecting stories about Skip. The one that stuck with her most was from Brian O'Donnell, who had a serious injury that cut his football career short. He told me himself that when he was in the hospital, Coach Skipper went to see him every day in Des Moines. And one day he says, you know, you don't have to come every day. You've got things to do, or, you know, I'm paraphrasing all this, but you've got things to do. You know, you don't have to come every day. And Coach Skipper said, yes, I do. This is important to me, you know? And Brian said, you know, he just never forgot that, you know, that that's how important it was to Coach Skipper for him to be there. You know, he could have sent somebody else or, you know. So Brian said he never forgot that. You know, Coach Skipper was notorious for handwriting notes and letters. I mean, I have several that, you know, and if he's writing them to me, thank you notes or so he's just notorious for like paying attention to detail and going out of his way to do things himself that others could have done or others wouldn't have done. Another example of that is every year he would, I would ask him to speak to my organizational behavior class. And he would always make time to come talk to my class and talk about leadership. And I taught a senior level class where students were in teams and they would run their own kind of company using a computer simulation. And then I would bring in outside people to role play as board of directors. And Coach Skipper would almost always do this for me because, again, you know, just his presence makes the whole experience seem more real. You know, he, he, he went out of his way to stay in touch with people. And that's why people stayed in touch with him. So it was always like a two-way street. It wasn't just, you know, one way. And I think that that's why he was remembered so much. Fellow 1975 grad John Hanna remembers Skip's willingness to listen, his thoughtfulness, and his positivity as a few defining characteristics. It was always an open door for any of us. Really anybody, but I'll just use the team here. But any of us that needed to talk to him, he would listen. He was just this uh, very gentle yet very pronounced individual that always just seemed to get his way because he was so passionate about what you are, but then and and molding you into something that's going to be terrific in in life after football. When he would talk, he wouldn't he wouldn't necessarily look you in the eye. He would look away and up. I remember that distinctively from him. He would gather his thoughts and he would never, and, and that, that's, not a, that's not a knock on the guy at all. I think he was so proficient about what he wanted to say that he really measured every word. He just was so measured. And, you know, and I didn't see a lot of wavering from a freshman to a senior from seven to the fall of 72 through the fall of 75. I didn't see any kind of wavering. He was always the same guy, and you could always count on that. He didn't, he didn't have a bad day. I never, saw, I never saw the guy have a bad day, ever. And I took that to heart because I try to live my life like that. I try not to ever have a bad day, too. And that's a will. That's a choice in my head, and I think in Coach Skipper's head, too. 
Here's Mike Street, also class of 1975, who kept in touch with Skip long after his playing days were over and fondly remembers taking him to see his son Chris Street play basketball at Iowa. After Christopher went to Iowa, I uh, I took uh, Coach Skipper and, and Joyce uh, to an Iowa game uh, with us. So and we sat right there by, uh, across from the bench and so forth. And, and he was always uh, – he he had opportunities, and I don't know how many or where, to coach at higher levels. But he always he always praised the Division three deal. And, and so I <laughs> – I just want to take him over D one D one deal and and uh, I don't know. I think we won the game, went to seen Chris afterwards and back in the back, but uh, so that was kinda neat that we done that together. Dave Dahlstrom came to Central in nineteen seventy seven and was an equipment manager for Skip for four years. In his freshman campaign, the Dutch went undefeated during the regular season, but it's what happened after a loss in the playoffs that sticks with him. The only game we lost was on uh the 12th of November at home to Widener in the opening round of the division three playoffs. Widener college was out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I believe they won the 77 division three uh, playoff. Uh, we lost to them. It was a cold, cold Saturday and we got shut out 19 to nothing. But the funny story that I can kind of relate to a little bit is that our locker room was still well in Kuiper gymnasium. It wasn't like it is now. And the visitor's locker room was in a smaller men's PE type locker room. That was just right attached to the small coaches locker room. Well, after the ball game, Widener, <laughs> I'll never forget this. I walked into the visitor's uh, locker room and there was coach Skipper and he had a garbage bag and was picking up empty beer cans and cigar butts from off the floor. They had just basically trashed that locker room. But Coach Skipper, being what he is, he just he thought, no, they're not going to do this to my locker room. He was going to pick it up. And I said, I said, Coach, I said, you want me to help you get that cleaned up? He says, yeah. He says, these guys are just a mess. And, you know, he was obviously upset, but uh, it was just him. That's the way he was. He wanted perfection, and he was proud of the facilities and everything, even at that time that we had. Up next is Don DeWard, class of 82, who eventually became Skip's longtime defensive coordinator. I'll tell you a couple funny ones and then a couple that I think just talk about what kind of a guy he was, what kind of a man he was. A couple of the, the funniest stories, and there's a lot of them. Again, he was notorious for uh, uh, a couple things uh he could fall asleep i i think i said this when he retired there was the des moines register did an article i said this he's the only guy i know that could fall asleep in the middle of a sentence wake up and finish the sentence but one time this was back in the 80s way early 80s we're playing in a playoff game i think it was 85 we're gonna play occidental college from California, and in those days we had 16 millimeter film, so we actually, on Sunday, once we'd get in the playoffs, knew who our opponent was, we'd run film to the Des Moines airport. We're playing California schools, and they'd put them on a, a flight and fly them out there. So we'd get we'd get film maybe on Tuesday of the week. So anyway, and like I said, it was all 16 millimeters. So we all, the whole coaching staff, we'd watch the film together well 
we were watching Occidental in all of us in a room. Of course, it's dark. The team that Occidental was playing blocked a punt. And so we're, we're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with that, with that film. Uh, trying to see what they did, you know, maybe it was something we could use. If there was some flaw in how they were blocking their punt, so we're we're running the film back and like I said, it's film. We're running back and forth, back and forth. Well, Coach Skipper dozed off in the middle of this, and you know, in those days, we you'd just run that film back and forth, back and forth. So we did it, and so, suddenly he woke up, I think, and he looked, and he and he was saw the film and he goes hey they blocked another one (laughs) and we were we were all sitting there just dying laughing because it was the same play but in the middle of it he had fallen asleep so that was a funny story and then the other one that was i still laugh when i think about it him and i were we coach defense and so we're in practice he we're standing behind the defense as we always did and coaching every play you know trying to correct guys and this and that well it wasn't going so great and as i've said before he could get pretty animated um and uh so we're standing back there and i don't know something doesn't go right in the play and so he gets all fired up and he arms are waving and he's yelling and he knocked his glasses off his head he wore glasses he knocked them off didn't really realize it gets done gets done uh you know with his rant and they're around to the next play and him and i are standing there and he looks down on the ground and he goes hey there's a pair of glasses on the ground and they were his <laughs> and so oh i think only him and i were standing there so that was one that him and i shared that moment and we laughed about it for a long time after that he didn't even realize he'd knocked his own glasses off his head so yeah that was yeah, he a lot. I mean, there's a lot of stories about him getting excited and wound up, and and then uh, when he retired, I was on the uh, selection or the selection committee that's searching for a new coach. And one of the and and that was, that was in 1996 was his last year, and part of the job description was that you had to be a central grad to be considered for the coach and so we had seven or eight applicants I think all guys that had played at Central some had gone on and coached but we uh, so we brought people in for an interview and I was you know sometimes when you're I was with him all the time coached with him and kind of you don't realize sometimes the impact that he might have had on people but I was amazed when we had those interviews with former players and some of them had played for him 30 years ago 25 years ago but prior to that the the impact that all of them uh talked about in their interview the impact that he had on them not just while they played football at central but for all those years afterwards whether it was in their coaching or whether it was in their marriage or their parenting and all of that so that really was even eye-opening for me who'd been around him all the time to to realize what what a uh, effect he had to, for positive to those players for you know, no matter how long ago they uh, you know played for him so i think that just another indication of of what kind of a, a man he was and what kind of a person he was 
Brett Claiborne graduated in 1985 and remembers a story from after his senior year in high school, which showed him where he really stood with Skip. Some people would probably appreciate uh, this. Coach Kipper was always uh, the consummate gentleman. But uh, when I played in the Shrine football game, after the game, I uh, was was standing there and my parents were there and my girlfriend was there. And, and Coach uh, and Skipper, you know, was working his way. There was other guys that were also playing in the game that, you know, he was just kind of making us rounds and kind of checking in with guys and, you know, congratulating them or whatever. And uh, I remember when uh, I saw uh, Coach Skipper and he was kind of breaking through the crowd and stuff and I was getting ready to, you know, give him a you know a big hearty welcome and i noticed he wasn't looking at me and he went right over and started he hugged my my sisters and my girlfriend and, and my mom um before he ever got around to me so i uh, realized i wasn't necessarily the big man on the totem pole and stuff even then so but he was uh, always quick to hug the ladies and uh, of course he was in relationship with all of them but he, he was such a funny guy Debbie Cahoon Schrader was from the class of 1986 and was an athletic trainer for her four years at central like many others she says that skip was like a second dad I think my folks, my parents trusted him and let me go lots of places that I think if it were anybody other than Skip, they probably would have said, ah, no, <laughs> because I mean, I think about we went to the national championship um, my junior year, so I didn't come home for Thanksgiving because we were going to be making the trip. And so Skip arranged for me to have Thanksgiving dinner at Eunice Kuyper's house. And a couple of us went and ate there. He farmed us all the players and trainers out to different people in Pella so that we could stay in town and get ready to go to the trip. Um, Skip was the head coach um, for a Division three team that went to teach the Europeans how to play American football. That was the summer of 85 between my junior and senior year. And we went to Italy for a couple of weeks. We were in London for a week. And I was the only female with about 55 football players and the coaches. And so I know if it had been, again, anybody other than Skipper, my parents wouldn't have, wouldn't have allowed that. So I had to share a flat in Italy so that Skip could keep an eye on me with Coach Skipper and his wife, Joyce. So, you know, it's a different level of knowing someone when you share an apartment with them for two weeks. And so I don't know how much of it would be appropriate to share, but it was just kind of that was Skip's way of making sure I was doing what I was supposed to instead of being at the but then when we went to London because of <laughs> arrangements it was just kind of fun because he couldn't have me so close by all the kids were in one area and then the coaches stayed in another area so I had a little more fun when we were in London um Joyce I I felt Skip made it feel so family there were I think seven of us from Central on that trip but there were kids from um, Nebraska Wesleyan, there were kids from Bethel, there were kids from Buena Vista. So it was just this family atmosphere that was created. And so then even the next school year, when we went to play at Nebraska Wesleyan or we went to play at BV, we had, I don't know, relationships that really extended beyond the football field, which was, which was kind of fun. Here's Darren Henker, who also graduated in 1986 and also went on that first trip to Europe, which is one of the highlights of his time at Central. I was blessed to be on the, the one of the first teams that he took internationally uh, with uh, with Coach Hirschberger from Buena Vista, uh, where we went to Italy and to England for an extended extended trip, and uh, to see him 
in that element and uh, to you know, watch him try and maintain the persona and the, the stoic nature of, of, of him as a coach while yet experiencing, you know, all the things that we got to experience internationally was, was, was really kind of a joy because, you know, he, he wanted us to have fun, but at the same time, it, it was still all about football for him. And so we, uh, we, we stretched it a bit and coach Hershberger was a great uh, buffer for us because I believe he probably had many conversations off to the side of, you know, let the kids be kids here you know during this travel and uh, you know we, we still got it done on the football field which was which was an awesome experience but uh, it was also fun to have some 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 personal you know, interactions in, in a in a in a foreign land with him as well uh you know on the central side you know i, I was a i was a small town kid coming into to central with uh, with uh, with a big head and, and, and really high aspirations and you know kind of got knocked down a few notches my uh, my freshman year and and i was one of one of many i'm sure throughout his course of his career that you know contemplated you know stepping away from it and and i can recall sitting across from him in his office and and having a conversation uh you know about you know the program and about my role in the program and 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 those types of things and and walking out of there feeling like you know i could bite nails and 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 uh and be the next you know all everything player for him was uh, was really again i i think a testament to to how much he loved the program and how much he loved the people that participated in the program. And so that, that, that to me is, is kind of a lasting memory of, of him on, on, on the coaching side of it. Um, you know, he was, he was as good a practice coach as I've been involved with. Uh, you know, he was like many of us, very emotional on game days. And sometimes that, you know, led to some excitement uh, on the sidelines, but, but during the week, uh, you know, he was, he was as good as, as far as putting someone in front of you that, you know, you needed to understand and contemplate and, and consider, you know, going into that week as, as anyone uh, I've been involved with. And, and that part of it for, for me was, uh, was, was, was really a neat experience too, because, you know, as a 18, 20, 21 year old young man at that point in time, you know, you, you, you kind of had some idea of preparation, but, Back in eighty, uh, the early eighties, when we played, it was not nearly the uh, technology-based uh, program that it is today, and so the the preparation was pretty basic in in general terms. I mean, it was a lot of paper and it was a lot of just repetition. Whereas, you know, we you know, we watched film, of course, but not to the the dissecting level that they have the ability now. And and it was uh, you know it was always good to have a coach who you were confident they knew exactly what they wanted to get done as you went into a week and you know you you were you were able to trust a lot more into what they were giving you in that short period of time that you had to prepare knowing that and uh, and he was definitely that type of an individual jeff staten is another 1986 grad and he shared a couple of emotional stories about skip in 1984, Central and Augustana played in the Stag Bowl, and Central lost a hard-fought game to Augustana. And so then fast forward to the next year, it was the national semifinals, and we had to go over to Augustana and play. And it was a very cold game. The field was icy, slick. And long story short, we came up on the short end again, and we, we had a really good team. I think we could have won it all, but we lost again to Augustana 14 to seven. 
I I was in no mood. You know, I did the obligatory handshake stuff, but I hightailed it back to the locker room really fast. And for whatever reason or however it happened, it was just Coach Skipper and I in, in, in our locker room for just a few minutes. And I could feel the weight uh, that that man had and just how that loss, you know, hurt him so much. And I, he didn't lose very much uh, when I was there. We, I, you know, didn't lose. And But I think the losses got really hard for him because uh, he just had so much invested in all of us and in the program. And it was the first time I've ever really felt through one of my coaches just how much those losses hurt. You know, I, of course, I felt bad for myself as a member of the team, but I, I just felt for Coach Skipper, I just, I just felt so sad for him. I don't know that he was crying, but I could, you know, I could just feel his, uh, his anguish and his pain. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a legend, but uh, I felt his humanity that day. Another story I've told about Coach Skipper, and this speaks to Coach Skipper, the man. Um, let's fast forward to when I was on his staff. Um, we had a, we had a staff meeting, and we had a situation where one of our student coaches. So this is a person that's still in college, but had an injury. And so was now helping kind of coach as a student coach. And the student coach had, I think he had drank or gotten some trouble somehow. And so coach Skipper brought it to the staff and he said, all right, I want to hear feedback from the coaches on what you think we need to do with this young man. And just about to a coach, as he went around the table, everybody was like, you know, kick him off the team, kick him off. He's done. He had his chance. He blew it. And then it got back to Coach Skipper. And I'll never forget. He said, guys, I appreciate your input. Um, I'm going to make a call on this one. I think this young man needs the football program more than we need this young man. And so we're going to keep him. And, um, you know, help, help try and shape some character here. And he did, he, he kept the young man and, and, you know, he coached for us and he did a good job. And I know, I know that guy personally still, and he, um, is forever grateful that coach Skipper handled him that way. Now let's hear from Eric Jones, class of 1987, former player turned longtime coach. I went down to Missouri and taught school down there for two years. Um, and I was a defensive coordinator and I came back one summer and, you know, I was an offensive player in college and I came back and showed him the defense that <laughs> I was going to run. And he goes, oh, man, that will never work. <laughs> and so he really helped me. And, and we talked a lot of football, especially between, you know, one of those years. And I think he started to understand kind of where I was coming from. And um, we talked a lot of offensive line stuff. And then I coached at Pella for four years. So I was the offensive line coach at Pella High for Norris Hill. And then while I was doing that, I would come over to the college and talk X's and O's. And I started zone blocking at the high school level, probably before Central really did zone blocking at the college level. So he would ask me questions. It was more from a defensive perspective, like what beats this zone play? Because Simpson and Warburg, they were running some zone stuff. And so I think he... I think he respected where I was coming from as a football coach. He wasn't ready to turn the, the whole offense over to me. But when I had an opportunity to come back to Central to, to work, he felt good about giving me an opportunity. Clay Thompson graduated Central in 1989 and remembers Skip's willingness to show his emotions in any situation. He wore his emotions absolutely on his sleeve. And he didn't spend a lot of energy, you know, suppressing what he was feeling. And 
you know, if he was mad, he, he'd yell. If, if he was happy, which he was most of the time, you know, you could always tell. And he was, he, he was wonderful kind of joking around. And when he was sad, he'd cry. And, you know, we saw that a lot. And, and uh, I, I remember, uh, you know, it was after practice. I think it was my sophomore year. And uh, I was one of these classic guys that I, you know, I was too small and too slow to ever really uh, see much of the field. But, you know, I, I understood the game. I, I worked hard. I was just, you know, I was the kind of kid that I think a coach kind of liked <laughs> having on the team, even though he couldn't, you know, really justify putting him on the field. So my sophomore year, I started traveling uh, to, to road games, which was a big deal, you know, at that time, especially we had, I don't know, 120 kids on the team. You could only take 44 or 47 or whatever it was. And uh, so to make the traveling team, you know, was was a nice thing. And it would get posted in the locker room, I think, Thursday nights after practice. So you'd come in from practice and you'd check the board to, to see who the traveling party was. And and so, I don't know, we were a couple of weeks into the season and practice was breaking up and, and uh, me and, and uh, a friend were kind of getting a little bit of extra time working in on something. And uh, he, he walked up. And, uh, you know, he had this just uh, kind of morose expression on his face, which was a little bit odd for him. And he said, Clay, I, I'm really sorry. You know, I, I wanted to tell you, but you're going to go in and, and see your names on, on the list. I, you know, I just I couldn't I couldn't find a way to bring you on this trip. And he, and he was really genuinely intensely uh, shaken up about this. <laughs> you know, he, he wasn't quite crying, but he was close. And, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, coach, I'm. I'm a 175-pound sophomore who runs a five-flat. I get it. You know, I, I totally understand. He was he was taking it a lot harder than I was, and you know, I you know, the other little I I remember I I remember being in a position meeting once, and for some reason, I think someone, maybe a former player, uh, had just had a, a tragedy. I, I think maybe a little girl uh, had died or was sick, and and he was telling us about this. And I think his point of telling the story is: look, there's there's things outside of football that, you know, you should, you know, don't get too caught up in the game of football because there's a lot more important things in life. And, and he was recounting this story and he just broke down and cried. And um, I, that always just stayed with me that, that, you know, he, he was secure enough. He didn't care, you know, how people saw him in different states. Uh, he, he knew we had our respect and, and even more so you just, you never had to guess, you know, what was going on in the mind because he was completely an open book emotionally like that. Here's Emily Hansen Brown, class of 1995, who appreciated Skip's positive outlook on life. He didn't love the, the Nancy Reagan, just say no phrase. He, he thought, you know, I don't want us to just say no to certain things in life. I want us to say yes to life and to, and to engage life and, 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 and be a part of life and give yourself to life. So he said, so my phrase is just say yes. So he grabbed a, a, a bunch of students and for about a half year, we went to different high schools in the area and kind of spoke to this phrase, just say yes. Um, he really was committed to young people and young people being involved and giving the best of themselves to wherever they were and, you know, to their teams, to their um, schools, to their communities. 
And that's what he did. I mean, he likely could have gone lots of places and it could have been, you know, just about him and, and his career. And he had a fabulous career as it was, but you know, he, he was this, this humble guy that said yes to where he was. He said yes to Central College and to the students there and to the community of Pella. You know, so, so he did really live what he preached. And um, so that's one thing I really remember about Coach Skipper, that he wanted people to say yes to life and to say yes to those invitations that, that life offered us. And he wanted us to say yes to the gifts that God had given us and use them to the best of our abilities. And yeah, I, I just remember Coach Skipper as a positive force for good. And, you know, he, he is still missed. And, um, and I love it. I love that about him and I love him for it. Coach Skipper's last game was the 1996 season finale. That was also the last game of Mark Kakmarinski's legendary central career, but he remembers it more for what happened afterwards. You know, we played at Buena Vista and it was a really rainy, wet game, really sloppy. I mean, this it's the worst game I've ever played in. I'm sure one of the worst games he's ever coached in is this unbelievable staying water. Well, obviously, we won the game and we walked, uh, you know, back into the facility where we were changing. And obviously, 50 or 60 of us, whatever the travel squad was back then, you know, we're dragging in mud and grass and everything in the facility. And we all go in and uh, shower up. And when we're showering up, Coach Skipper had grabbed a mop and a bucket and was mopping the entryway and the hallway all the way down the hallway by himself just picked it up. He knew it was the right thing to do. Uh, and here he is, you know, one of the greatest coaches in division three history. And really at the time, you know, one of the most successful coaches in any division at the time, just an awesome winner. But you know, the words he said by, you know, be a student, you know, leave things nicer than when you got there. And obviously he did. And, you know, he didn't need to do that, but that's just who he was. And no one's really talked about that, but that's kind of one thing that stuck in mind, which ended up being his last game and my last game. Was seeing this successful man literally grabbing a mop and mopping down the hallway and the entryway all the way through, mopping up all the mud and all the grass and everything. It was just pretty humbling. And uh, so I learned a lot of life lessons from him. And I think a lot of us did. You know, you, you still see that, too. And, I, and I, I probably say the student athlete gentleman once a week uh, around my friends and family and people that I meet and, you know, some football camps that I work at and been at. So it's just a great life message. And, uh, I, you know, I can't say enough good things about him. Gary Timmer was a 1955 grad before Skip's time at Central started, but their families became friends when Timmer and his wife moved to Pella in 1969, right in the Skipper's neighborhood on Boone Street. Well, you know, you, you start out, you know, he's a very committed Christian and he lived his life that way. And so you always dwelt on things like that. Um, he was always in a hurry. I remember once he stopped uptown and gas from the Phillips station he used to be there. Filled a car with gas, ran in to pay for it, and drove off without taking the hose out. He did it twice, and the hose is dragging down the street with him. You know, it was a kind of funny thing. But he was so, so involved and so committed and always running a little bit late, you know, and he had to get someplace. He was a very frugal man and loved to talk investments, and he really worked at it uh, because we both grew up poor and we had that in common. and. We'd go to high school state tournament games. I loved to go with him because everybody knew Skipper. And I knew a lot of the people, you know, or understood who they were. And it was just fun to do because everybody had to talk to Coach Skipper. No man was ever more committed to family than Ron Skipper. His kids were everything to him. And when his son uh, 
won the conference 800. Man, he cried the whole time. (laughs) And he was known to do that, to cry very easily, which which just showed his humanness and his love for people and that kind of thing. We had in common, we were both mathematics majors. Very, just unusual. You know, neither used it. We both liked math. And Rudy Tease was a part of that, too. So the three of us, would, we never talked math. We just said, hey, we majored in math. Let people think we were smart. We weren't, but we also. He, he loved kids. My, when, you knew my daughter, Sherry. Uh, when she was about five, Skipper, we were at a ball game. Skipper picked her, picked her up and set her on top of the pop container, you know, the big thing, and forgot. <laughs> and she sat there laughing at the, yeah. <laughs> But he he do that kind of thing. I think he's so human. Love kids and um, how, how do you beat somebody like that? But but uh, a real softy. He cried. He cried over anything. Isn't that something? Be, be that that emotional about things and that caring. It's just just you can see why he was successful as a coach. He cared. He he loved to hug girls. <laughs> you probably knew that. Every says that. But he says that. I imagine. Uh, but he did it in the, a caring way. You know, he didn't just talk to him, he just put an arm around him. And, and they all knew it was coming. <laughs> you know, you, you got to also give Ron Skipper a lot of the credit for the college growing. Because he came in 60, uh, well, I graduated in 55, and we had about 300 students. And, of course, Don Lubbers came as a new president then. And they were friends from college. But Skipper really was the instigator. He could recruit a lot of kids, and that really helped build the enrollment. So he was, he was a key factor in that kind of stuff. To close out, here's Alex Glan again. He says that he and Skip stayed in touch after their coaching days ended, talking every month or two, and he vividly remembers their last conversation that took place just a few days before Skip passed. He found out that uh, I was living in Schaumburg, um, Illinois, which is uh, in Cook County same uh, county Chicago's in. And we had in Schaumburg an Ikea store. And Joyce loved to go to these Ikea stores. And every year they'd drive down and he'd take her to the Ikea store and they'd do their shopping and then go back up to Michigan. And in the conversation, he says, now, Schaumburg, that's where the Ikea store is. That's where you're living? Yeah, I said. And he said, there's an Ikea store there. And I said, yeah. He said, uh, kind of ended the conversation. He said, well, don't be surprised. This summer, if you get a knock at the door and it's Joyce and me, I said, Coach, come on. That'd be great. And three days later, Jim Danks called me and said he had died. And that was not a good day. That was a sad day for the entire Central community, even those who never got a chance to meet Coach Skip. A huge thank you to everyone who shared their Skipper stories with me. Now, as Ron Skipper loved to say, the horses are in the barn. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Dutch Memories Podcast. We'll have a new episode every month or so featuring a player, coach, game, team, or moment in Central College's storied athletic history. You can subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify so you never miss an episode, or just check the podcast section at KNIAKRLS.com. Dutch Memories is a KNIAKRLS production. I'm Trevor Castle, and go Dutch!